Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. For today's update, I don't have a specific token that I want to cover because a lot of recent things have happened in crypto overall that I felt was more advantageous to discuss leading into 2022. You might recall I've repeatedly said that I'm bullish leading into 2022. I simply think that there's, there's going to be a lot of things happening in 2022. But let's talk about the tail end of 2021 and some recent activities that may have you skeptical about why I'm bullish. And hopefully I can connect the dots for you. But at the end of the day, you will have to make your own decision. And I encourage you, strongly encourage you to do your own research in this matter. But I want to just talk about some points and parts and pieces about what I'm seeing. And the reason I'm bullish leading into 2022 has never been stronger. First, if you've looked at any of the charts today, this morning, you'll notice that pretty much everything is down with the exception of certain lesser known tokens. Bitcoin is sharply down, I would consider, after rallying to a high uh, earlier in the week. And Ethereum is significantly down, more than I would expect. Uh, Solana is down, which it normally is not down as much as it is, but it's down a lot, and other ones. And I was able to do some digging and it seems like there were three main things playing into this predominantly. There were some that seem to be strong right now and have been able to maintain their price movements irrespective of what's going on on the larger crypto industry. And that tells me that because they were able to at least maintain some sense of the value, even if they eventually did go down, they were not completely tanking as we were seeing with something like a Bitcoin. And stable coins were at the top of that list. Stable coins from the activity that I'm seeing, usually that means that there's a lot of people that are cashing out. And again, USD Tether is seems to be at the top of that list, which indicates that it's happening overseas predominantly. There's a lot of cash out that's happening through uh, the stable coins. And when you see that the cash outs are happening to the stable coins, generally speaking, it means that you have a lot of hedge funds at play or a large, big business at play where they are cashing out profits or they're trying to stabilize their investments, usually in anticipation of other events that are happening. Um, but the futures market is down. So long positions where a lot of cash out happened in the long positions and portfolios. And primarily what I saw was a one large investment firm specifically, but then others kind of followed it. But one large investment firm, cashed out a lot of Bitcoin and started to isolate it into stable. Now, if I'm right, it means that they potentially are anticipating some flux leading into 2022, and they're trying to cash out now to preserve value in anticipation of a bull run in the first quarter. And that seems weird because you're like, well, how does that logic work? When you do the cash out to stable, you're trying to force a certain value, a certain basis. The main reason you would do this is because you expect disruption to occur in the short term, but you expect a strong long position, meaning that you expect it to go and skyrocket. And when you sell out early prior to any sort of crash, you are insulating yourself from what you believe is coming. Now in the stock world, this is actually illegal. You would not be, you would not have access to any information that told you to do this. But in crypto, remember, we don't have 
any sort of insulation for these companies to not have access to that information. So they are able to anticipate those price movements. And as a result, they can keep their value where it is and then buy back in when it makes sense for them as it recovers on its own and it will recover. But that creates a bullish position because most other smart investors will buy those dips. And as they buy the dips and increase their positions, it means that once it recovers, it's going to go even higher. It's weird because, again, if you're looking at the graphs, you need to make sure you're always zoomed out of the graph. Don't just focus on the one day and the one or seven days like I told you. Those are traps. They're designed to get you to react. They're designed to get you to sell, FOMO sell, because you're afraid of loss of value. But you don't lose anything unless and until you sell. So don't react to the one day, seven day. Zoom out of the map and you'll see that you're still in a pretty strong position for most of these tokens that haven't gone anywhere. And if you look at the way the graph's behavior goes, I think it's very strong leading into 2022, not weak. It seems like it's very strong. And anybody who's investing more into crypto during these dips is going to come out very strong on the back end in 2022. I firmly believe this. Now, the other aspect to this particular dip here seems to come on the, on the heels of some news that was coming out of India. And I don't know the direct story behind what's going on with India, but from what I can glean from this, on one area, Iran, uh, there's a recent announcement that they were banning mining until early March to conserve power, because of course mining is a very power-intensive activity, and that would tend to harm uh, values and currency values, because as you're no longer mining, you are not affecting the circulating supply, which of course has a a direct impact on the ability to get currency into people's hands. So the loss of volume tends to harm it as well. That, I don't know if that, I don't know how much of an impact that would have had, but it would have certainly had an impact. There also were some resistance testing on Bitcoin prior to the sell-off of the major investors. And what happens is when you test a new resistance, for any token, you test a new resistance, and see if people are willing to hold it as opposed to sell it. You see other tokens that are moving positive. You see ones moving negative. The psychological aspect fits in where you get tempted to just sell it as opposed to buy it. That also played into Bitcoin. So when you have the whole crypto and the the removal of a mining aspect, which affects circulation, and then you have more sells than buys, which affects circulation, and all these different aspects in play, tended to hurt the industry and whole. And then, of course, this investment firm just kind of wails out of it and sends to stablecoin, which harms all the rest of it. On top of this, as I mentioned in a previous episode, Ethereum is starting to feel a little bit of pressure from all the other networks that are out there to try to uh, you know, take over Ethereum given the ETH2 delays. So Atom, which is one of those secondary networks, um, was starting to surge a little bit. Many of them also declined, but not nearly as much as what Ethereum did. So there was a gain in the sense that it was a lesser decline, if that makes any sense. And certain ones like Axie, which are gaming and Sand, they were able to insulate against significant losses. So if I looked at, uh, let's say, Solana as an example, Solana was down nearly 12 to 15 percent overall. But something like Axie was only down like 4 to 5%. Well, that's, a, that's pretty tremendous. It was able to 
insulate against significant losses given what's going on. Now, if you followed Solana, for it to be down as much as it is, remember Solana started in the double digits. It spiked up to like, I want to say three, $400. I think it's $300. And so now it's down to about 200-ish, 180, 200-ish. And so it's had a lot of volatility. But a lot of that was based on the issues with the network that they had very early on. And then they eventually resolved it and they were climbing back up again. But now this current turmoil has caused it to dramatically shift right back down. More popular ones for network like XRP, that one spiked significantly. I think it got as high as like three bucks and now it's down to less than a dollar. So to put it in perspective, what I see happening though, when you have this much of a significant price drop, remember that you got people out there that were waiting, that they're purposely waiting on discounts because they don't want to pay what they think is the maximum price of a thing. They want to pay at a discount because your whole goal should be to buy the dip for projects that seem solid. Something like Ethereum is still solid, but you're now in a discount scenario because remember, Ethereum got almost as high as $5,000 at a point, and now it's around $3,800. bucks. Well, that's a steep discount. If you expect that it will get to back to 5000 bucks again, that means that your investment has a strong potential to grow leading into 2022. Remember that Bitcoin has always been estimated to get to $100,000 at some point. It's just going to take however long time to get to that point. But you're able to buy in less than $40,000. And so if you put, let's say, $100 into it and it was able to triple, well, that's a triple. On reverse, you know, you get your ROI back and then you got 200 more. That's huge. So now you can use these discounts to increase your position. That's the expectation of the strong traders is that when there are these drops, it actually could mean a very bullish signal because people are going to be buying the dips. And as more people increase their position, it means stronger upward price movement. The psychological tendency because of the way they present the graphs is that you see everything down and it becomes a chicken little. That's what you first want to think and you can't think that way. You've got to think about it as this is an opportunity. It's a discount that I'm going to use to increase my position as long as I believe in what it is that I see. So I want you to take that away and really think about it. Really think about what it is that you're seeing. You're seeing a discount. Just no different than stores or anything else that you might interact with. Think about it as a discount. And as a discount, you just want to make sure that you are investing in strong projects that look like they're worth your time and you've done a lot of due diligence and you're not going to react anytime you see a price down. You're going to treat that as a, a discount or a coupon to increase your position in those projects that you are strong on. What I'm ultimately saying is that when I say that I'm bullish leading into 2022, seeing this type of a dip just before 2022 gives me strong confidence that, yes, it's truly bullish 2022. We're going to have strong movements. Now, again, the whole deal with the student loans, which was deferred till May for payouts, that's going to affect things a little bit. Tax season will affect things a little bit. And then, you know, the president going live and attacking Americans, going to, that's going to affect things. But generally speaking, I think that the industry can buck the trend and come out stronger and we will see higher price movements with all these different tokens that currently they have what appears to be a negative downtrend, but it means that they're going to rebound stronger as people buy into stronger positions down the road. 
So if you look at the graphs on your portfolio, you're probably going to see red for the vast majority of it. And I don't want you to freak out about that. I want you to look at it as a discount opportunity to increase your positions, because if you were already confident about them, ideally you would put more in. Don't react to the red and sell, because if you sell, you have taken a loss, especially if it was below your basis. If you don't believe in the project anymore for some reason, then that might be a compelling reason to sell. But if you've had something for a year, let's say, it's probably not going anywhere, and you can probably feel confident buying into it. Also consider the nature of how the discounts work. You have to think of it in terms of the money you put in, not the amount of tokens that you have, which is another psychological impact that they do to you. Don't worry about having more tokens. Worry about your basis and how much you're putting into it, especially if it's a token that gives you reflection rewards, because as people sell out, you're going to glean that as basically passive additional income that you didn't have to do anything for. The larger your position, the more that you're going to get in reflections on buy and in most cases, sell activities. So you have to think about it differently than you normally would do. And it's hard. I know it's hard, but it's important that you condition your mind not to react to the red and think sell unless you don't believe in the project. Even if it's been red for three, four months, do you believe in the project? Do you believe that the project has long-term stability? It's been around for a while. It's not going anywhere. It's got a good community. It's got good communication. And it looks like they're trying to make it a success. Those should be the ones that you kind of hold on to. And the other point I would call out is don't just stare at the graphs either. Don't just stare at the different graphs that are being given because that's part of the trap too. You don't want to let the trap influence you into selling, which is what those graphs are as a trap to influence you to sell in more cases than not because they recognize that people will react to the one day and the seven day, not understanding the long term of it and the long haul of it. Anybody who's been made rich in this one fits in one of two categories. Number one, they had enough money up front that they were able to dump into anything, $10,000 or greater, let it drop a couple of zeros and become a millionaire within a couple of days. But you have to have a lot of money in it in order to see that gain that fast because it takes a long time for zeros to drop, generally speaking. Or on the extreme side of the spectrum, like with SHIBs in particular, you would have had to have held it for at least five months and just weather the storm. And then at some point, it will drop enough zeros to have made you wealthy. So you're going to be, chances are, in the latter category. You would have invested a certain amount of money at a certain point in time, and you have to wait in order for that amount to get you an ROI. You may or may not take profits in the interim. If you do take profits, then you have to realize it'll take you longer to get to that goal. But if you can train yourself to just simply toss money at something and completely ignore it until some point later and not stare at graphs, which is what they want you to do, you'll realize that almost everything is a long play of some kind unless you're already coming at it with a lot of money to begin with where you could short play it. You could also take profits, kind of drip out. So like day trading, for example, where say you toss $100 at something, it drops a zero. And so now you're able to realize $900 off of a brand new release and just keep taking profits over time and build up to it. But you still would have to have it had the wherewithal to find those projects that are not going to rug pull you, which is always a risk that you have no savings around. And that way you have to be aware of projects that look like they're going to be sketchy by doing your research and you shouldn't invest more than you can afford to lose. In a way, it is a form of gambling if you think about it. 
But the beauty of it is that you have control over how fast you get money by way of the amount of money you invest, number one. Number two, not reacting to the graphs like they want you to. Once you can master the psychological part of things, you'll realize it's much easier to avoid getting cheated out of, you know, rug pulls, honeypots, whatever. It's easier because you've done enough research to watch out for it. You've only invested what you can afford to lose. And as the amount you can afford to lose goes up, you now can take a little bit more risk in certain projects that get you some profit and do some day trading and glean it, build up your stake, and then there may be that one project that comes around that's got 10 zeros in front of it where you could toss $10,000 at it because you, you had enough that you could afford to lose that. It drops two zeros straight away. Now, boom, I can cash that out, and I've got so much money now that I can start investing higher amounts of these other projects. Even if they're long plays or I day trade, it won't matter. I'm still going to make a lot of return. It's all a trick, and you you master it over time, but I want the important part, the takeaway to be what you see right now with the industry being red should give you bullish signals leading into 2022 because you should feel confident there are people out there that are buying the dips, and that's going to increase the amount of holders. There's going to be an increase in volume over time, and it means that long-term, everybody should be better off that's holding or that's increasing their position. And that's a good price movement for everybody. The, we do have variables that, you know, our get various governments are getting in the way. But I'm optimistic that crypto will beat anything that comes in front of it. But we all have to be patient and tolerant and just recognize that these ups and downs are normal. They're natural. They will pass. There's nothing overtly wrong. But there are a lot of things happening with climate change and or what I say is the, the a push against climate change, I should say. And what our government's trying to do to lock things down, and they're doing what they think is necessary. But I think that crypto is going to win. And if crypto wins, anybody who trades crypto will win. But patience is a virtue that you have to have. You have to watch out for anything that's in front of you. I think we're in a good spot. I don't think it's a terrible thing. Even if you have kind of one-off, like, brand-new investments and you see that they're already starting to tank, don't let it affect you. Don't freak out on it if you believe in it. Just stay, stay the course. Hold firm. This too shall pass. It is industry-wide. It's not specific to your project at all. Everything is down. Treat that as a discount, and it's a very heavy discount, and it's one that you should look at as an opportunity to increase your stake on the cheap now so that when things start skyrocketing, you will start realizing significant levels of profit. I will at least throw in a mention here for Doge. And I haven't heavily covered Doge because Doge, by their own admission, doesn't really do anything as far as utility. But Doge is ubiquitous in the sense that it's accepted a lot of places. It's kind of everywhere. It's pretty consistent and pretty stable. And even in significant loss, you don't lose a lot of value. And it always seems to be able to rebound at some point later. But the reason I want to talk about Doge briefly is because Doge has had some moves recently where they've talked about kind of some enhancements and innovations to improve how they do what they do, not only to increase the price of the token, but also its utility and its efficiency. We we're talking about energy consumption, et cetera. And when we look at the transaction fees for a Doge, on average, it's 36 cents per, which isn't bad, but it's still higher than something like Polygon, which is almost free almost all the time. And 
its price moving on Doge, as you remember, it got very close to a dollar, and that was during the Elon tweet, and it hasn't even smelled anything close to that ever since, primarily because it has an unlimited inventory, but also because the novelty's worn off. And there have been so many other contenders that have gotten in the game now that there's really no compelling reason to buy into Doge. Well, the, the thing with Doge, its consistency is a benefit to it. It has been largely consistent in performance, generally speaking, and stable in the price movements to where it doesn't dramatically lose out significant amounts of value. It, it kind of stays the course. And if you watch their Twitter, they, they're proud of that. They're proud of the fact that they're still here. They're not going anywhere. And people are still buying and selling it pretty significantly. There's a lot of activity for Doge. But then when I saw that they were going to start doing some development, it got me really excited because I thought that that was one thing that they lacked is what are you going to do now to stand out in a crowd? What are you going to do in the next level of things? Remember that Elon has always been a supporter of Doge primarily outside of any other investment. He's kind of an unofficial person of the board and he always gets these suggestions about how they're going to improve the ecosystem. One of those things that they were trying to do was to get into NFTs on the Dogecoin network. Because remember the, you know, Phantom, Polygon, uh, Ethereum, Avalanche, they all have released kind of NFTs and that's been the thing to do. And Doge has never previously done anything similar to this. Well, recently they started getting into that. They started identifying, okay, how do we get more utility out of the Doge token? Remember that utility is the one thing that Doge has never really dug into. Being able to do that, I believe, has a long-term potential that will work, but I do think that it's got a long way to catch up because so many others have already surpassed it times three, uh, especially with Polygon. And so it's kind of the me too of things, but if they're able to get it to work and get enough exposure, there are enough holders of Doge to strongly positively impact its price. What I'm saying to you is that if for what they're doing, if they're able to make it work, they will be in the front runner to expose what the price could be if it went above that, you know, dollar mark or so. And get that point, get that that token, the meme token, the original meme token, above and beyond what it was before. That's huge. I want to see if they're able to succeed in that. And so I'm bullish on that one. Also, they want to get the trans fees down, which again, if you go back to Polygon, it's a fraction of a penny sometimes. And the prices are not high for Doge compared to like Ethereum, but it's high compared to the other ones. So between getting the transaction fees down and introducing a new utility, it could mean that Doge is able to finally introduce higher prices for the people who are holding it, who have been holding it long-term, but also to maintain its lower resistance because one of its challenges has always been it can get to a point, but can it stay there? If it can solve that problem with utility, I think it changes the game. I think it changes the game for anybody who's investing and who's been sitting on Doge for the longest time. And right now, if I'm right, its price is low enough that somebody could feasibly become a millionaire that is holding Doge and it's able to skyrocket times 10. 
minimum, I think you're in a good position if you're holding Doge. If you're not holding Doge, I do think Doge is a good investment to have as part of a diverse portfolio. I'm not going to tell you specifically that it does anything right now. I am saying that they are working on those utilities and that they're able to get to that point of utility, strong utility with a, with as many holders as they have. There's no way that its price cannot go where we expect it to go. And then I'll wrap up today's episode by talking about some insanity and some stupidity around NFTs. And if you remember, I talked about NFTs on the previous episode. This is a follow-up of this. And I want to just talk about NFTs and where they're going. And, and I said that people don't really understand that NFTs, it's all about the perception of value to individuals. Years ago, there used to be with the Motorola StarTax of the world and the various flip phones of the Razor of the olden days, there used to be this thing where Dolce & Gabbana would release variations of these different devices, right? And so the Razor, for example, had a Dolce & Gabbana version that's, you know, kind of gold-plated. It wasn't really gold, but gold-plated visual came with gold chains and all this stuff. And it was overpriced, as we expected, just because it's a name. It's a brand name. Dolce & Gabbana has always been associated with wealth, just like Versace. So fast forward, and now Dolce & Gabbana has gotten involved with NFTs. And what they've done is they've created these NFTs around the physical version of the NFT and access to events. Now, this is interesting because what they're doing in how they approach this, I think, is kind of one of the end games of where NFTs could go. So in this one, let me give you one example. They would have a suit or a crown or a jacket, or a dress, or something that is presented, and the NFT is basically an animated version of this whatever that they're showing. But then as long as you buy into it, and it's they're expensive, they're, they're not cheap. As long as you buy into it, you get a digital recreation of that same, so let's say it's a, a dress, and you can use it in a metaverse of whatever choosing. So if they come with some second life crypto version, you would be able to wear this dress that you bought as an NFT inside the metaverse, but it didn't stop there. They also said, we'll give you the physical version of that dress custom fitted to you. So you would go to Milan, which is a, <laughs> that's a joke. You would go to Milan. You then can get fitted for that exact dress a year after it's, this is released and you get the original sketch that, created the dress personally drawn and signed by Dolce and Gabbana themselves on. In addition to this, you get access to their various events that they do a tour of their atelier, the exhibition of the, their stores in Milan is all Milan. Um, an exhibition in any other store in the world with the collector's name, you get all these physical places. So now what you've done is you paired a digital asset that you own to the physical artifact that you own, to a metaverse variation of that same that you own, and physical access to toward events in Italy, all in this nice package, all based on just this NFT purchase. Well, think of what that means. You are spending, in this case, thousands of dollars on this stuff that for people, it's like, geez, it's just a dang NFT. Why are people buying it? 
One of these sold for so much ETH that calculating the dollar amount has to be a joke. We're talking millions, like I'm going to guess probably about $50 million. A lot. Well, you could do a trip to Italy for much cheaper than that. You know that, yeah? The dress probably isn't worth anywhere near that. <laughs> um, so you're clearly paying for the the brand, and you're paying for the the private tours and all this, but even then it wouldn't be millions of dollars. You could do the straight-up equivalents of all this stuff and probably only spend somewhere in the neighborhood of about, say, $200,000 off scratch, right? But in this... Because it's Dolce & Gabbana, people are paying, yeah, probably about $50 million because one of them had a bid up to $1.5 million. And I understand the, the, you know, the hype around this. These are ugly dresses, let's put it that way. And so it's clearly about the brand. When I looked at the, you know, the whole Salt Bay nonsense, right? And he has this, I think it's called Nazareth or whatever, restaurants. And it's kind of this joke of, this dude is just, you know, erotically sprinkling salt on meat. And that's all he's really doing. And he's he's more hyped than anything else. But people are paying like $15,000 for this joke. Here, people are buying an NFT that has more utility to it because you have physical attributes and aspects and things to it. And then you have the tour and then you have the experience. And that's all good. But to pay nearly $50 million for this is, to me, it just emphasizes what I said. The perception of value is a very powerful thing. That they paired it to NFTs is brilliant, and I love the brilliance of them having done so. But at the same time, at some point, as I said, people are going to spend whatever they choose to spend. Market cap be damned. They're just going to go and do whatever, and some people just have money to burn. And NFTs will thrive because there are people out there like this willing to spend millions of dollars on a thing, regardless of the fact it's an um, Italy trip, regardless of the fact that you get a physical dress, regardless of the fact that it's visually appealing NFTs, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, looking at this, to me and you, chances are, there's no way this is worth $50 million plus for this. You might be able to justify a couple hundred thousand dollars because of the fact it's Italy, the trips, the, you know, the experience. But millions of dollars, you can tell the dress alone is probably maybe worth $10,000 at most because they're not attractive. Nobody would be seen dead in this. You probably would be buried in some of this stuff. But some people just have a perception of value just because of the uniqueness of it. So there's a, there's a limited minted supply, number one. Number two, these are limited dresses right limited suits limited crowns they're limited so scarcity has created this perception of value to certain people that are willing to have throwaway money put at it where they just feel like they have to have an ownership of a thing it's the same way as the delorean car that was limited supply and that it's going for super high prices even though it wasn't that great of a car it wasn't that good looking but because of the fact it was scarce it automatically had high value. Same with certain members of the Lamborghini family, same with certain members of the Ferrari and like the Testarossa, the old days. And anytime you have scarcity in play and you have a brand by name, there's this illusion of value. I also want to put into perspective why I also felt this was silly and worth talking to you about the perception of value. For this to have gone for over $50 million and all you're really getting is a really nice looking NFT 
some sort of a costume for a metaverse you may or may not participate in, a trip to Italy and walkthroughs of a couple of different, you know, facilities, and a very ugly set of clothing for $50 million freaking dollars. One of the older Rolls Royces from 2018 was over $500,000, but that's a Rolls Royce. It's a very nice car. It has visual appeal, and it has utility, and it's noise isolated, and you got a phone in there. Like, we, we see utility of it, and it's only $500,000. So this means that there are people that just have throwaway money, folks, and listen, that's fine. The benefit to you, though, is it reinforces what I said. It, the, people like this are what are going to keep NFTs around, and NFTs are going to evolve, and they're going to take a different form where people are going to see Okay, people bought this, so we do have something here where we can associate digital and physical together and sell it at whatever price. And as soon as people buy into this, it's going to start to become the norm and become the mainstream. So be on the lookout, and I'll predict it now. Be on the lookout for things where you get an NFT of some sort of a some sort of a location, let's say the Kokomo, right? Beach Boys. And the NFT is of Kokomo and the various beaches and all this stuff. And it comes with a trip to Kokomo or it comes with the Beach Boy CD or it comes with both. Who knows? Or you get NFTs of the Beatles and it comes with one of the Beatles collectors or it comes with the Abbey Road. You know, what a trip to see Abbey Road. Of course, it's changed. But this is the reality I think we're going to where they're going to start pairing digital and physical and they're going to test it and they're going to see if people are willing to buy this stuff then that means there's a market for it. That means NFTs are not going away. And if they can pair it with rights, digital rights, in a way that gives the customer the assurance that they actually own a thing and cannot be taken away from them, and it's immutable, I think that it's going to just get bigger and bigger and bigger. I don't agree that it's a fad once you get to that utility of it. My only criticism has always been seeing prices like this is going to set the precedent for price movement and then it's going to be priced out of the common trader and that's fine because as we saw with plasma tvs back in the 90s something can launch at fifteen thousand dollars but at some point it's going to need to come to the lower level and be more reasonably priced movements or it's doomed to get out of the business as we saw with plasma compared to lcd and then soon lcd to oled so hopefully that's been very informational today I don't think the down of the market today is a bad thing. I think you should be bullish going into 2022 because people are going to be buying the dips, as I think you should if it's a project you believe in. Don't fall into the temptation of just selling just because you see red. It means a good thing. It means we are in a very long position to come out stronger on the back end. And I don't think NFTs are going away. I think they're getting stronger. And this nonsense with Dolce & Gabbana is just further proof to me that NFTs are here to stay. We don't know what form they'll take, but it looks like if they compare digital and physical, they might be onto something of that perfect balance between the two. And because this is on the Polygon network, the Matic token might be something worth looking into because that means that that one's due to skyrocket as a result of the, the activity to buy the Ethereum on the Polygon chain, which could put the Matic token at or near the price points for the regular Ethereum network. Take care.